following announcement has been paid for by the WZWA Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Insider's Edge podcast here on the WCWA Network. I'm your host with the most on the West Coast, California in Fury. What a joy and a privilege to be with you all once again. And it's a joy and a privilege for me here today. Well, tonight for me, today for him to introduce you, my guest at this time. He's former NWA South Atlantic Tag Team Champion, but more importantly, one half of the first ever Cruiserweight Tag Team Champions in WCW alongside Elix Skipper. Here's the one. Here's the only. Here's Kid Romeo. How are you, bro? Yeah, baby. What's going on, man? Just chilling <laughs> down here in Florida. Excellent, Brian. No, I'm doing great. It's great to have the opportunity to talk to you today and learn a little bit about your time in the wrestling business. First question, as per usual, usually it is, how did you become a fan of professional wrestling before you actually got in the industry? Right. So I am I'm Latino. I'm Puerto Rican. Um, when I was younger, I used to live down in, uh, in Puerto Rico with my, my grandma and my great-grandma. And uh, over there, we started watching Puerto Rican wrestling and stuff. So I used to watch like Carlos Colon, The Invaders, Bruiser Brody, um, Ric Flair. We used to come down there. Abdullah the Butcher was one of, one of the big ones that come down there. So those were all like uh, what I was watching when I was, uh, when I was little. And then, um, and then we got Cable on the island. And then I started watching, uh, uh, was it NWA, uh, uh, Georgia Georgia Championship Wrestling? Yes. Right, yep. With Tommy Wildfire Ridge, Ric Flair, <laughs> JYD, War Horseman, all those, yeah. And that was like my really, really, where I started really getting into it, getting into it. And then WWE got it more programming. I started watching WWE. Right. So, Awesome. Uh, so I guess uh, the bug might have bit you and at some point you might have thought about uh, getting involved in the business. What was the first step that you took towards getting involved in the business? My first step, well, you know, I used I used to be, it was, it's no secret, I used to be a Chippendale. So wow. I was in business already and my name was Romeo. So one time uh, when I was, they used to come to Universal Studios, they came to Universal Studios so I went down, I went to the front row, sat down, I was watching the shows. And I was like, I saw Ray, I saw Chavo, I saw Eddie. And by stature wise, I was like, oh, they're taking smaller guys not resting? I, I can do, I want to do this, I can do this. And I stayed around and I waited in the parking lot and um, I talked to a whole bunch of people that, that were coming out of there um, and uh, just asked what you needed to do. And everything and they told me well first thing is you need to do you need to get be able to do at least a thousand hindu squats i said oh okay and he goes concentrate on that you'll be okay so i trained for six months um i do 100 squats in between every set going outside in the in the, in the heat and run suicide squats sprints everything and just got ready for it and then um and then i went up to atlanta for a three-day tryout and there was 14 people after day two, there was four. Day three, there was three of us. And by the end of day three, I was the only one that I had made it. So I had an invitation. 
come. So I came back to Orlando, regrouped myself, threw everything in a car, went up there, moved into his, uh, an apartment with different roommates and stuff, and uh, went up there till I, till I got signed. Incredible. It's always the same story with anyone that went through the power plant. I've had a bunch of the guys on the show, like Chuck, uh, Lash LaRue, uh, Alan Funk. Uh, it's the same story. You, you have to be prepared when you do those tryouts. It, and a lot of people went into that yeah, not prepared. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's brutal. It's absolutely brutal. They just All they wanted was heart, really. That's all they were looking for heart. Now they look for other stuff. Absolutely. Um, the most important thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, and look, I wanted to ask you one question about your time as a dancer. Um, I know when it comes to the movies, if someone's a lawyer and they watch a film with, you know, you know, a law, a court of law and, and lawyers and all that, they'll always say, oh, that's not really what it's like. It's not that animated. When it comes to Magic Mike, is it is it is it exaggerated Magic Mike uh, having a job like that or is it pretty true to life? All right, so let's say my life. Magic Mike, Mickey Rourke, the wrestler. Right. You get Kim Romeo somewhere. It's, it's no, it's, it's, um, the Magic Mike was a little bit, I don't know, exaggerated or different from like really what it is, but the, the, the wrestler was dead on. But basically, if you, if you fuse those, I'm a fusion of those movies. Pretty much. I understand. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. I just thought, uh, you know, that would be something I just wanted to know about because I know that I could never be a Chippendales dancer no matter what I do. Um, so, <laughs> it's a different career. You never think about it when you're doing it. It's normal. It's great. And, have, and then when you're, you know, a grown man, you're like, wow, that's how you used to do it. And you tell people, they're like, you are an idiot. What? I'm like, <laughs> it was a job. It paid well. <laughs> it wasn't too difficult. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent, man. Um, okay, so uh, you, I guess you, you spend some time in the power plant. Do you have any particular stories of the experience in the power plant before you got brought up to TV? Oh, man, there, there's, 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 there's always all kinds of stories. I mean, we used to um, get the groups going and we sit around when like, once we were in and, and get new tryouts coming and stuff, we get involved with them, you know, getting in their face and all that stuff. And uh, I just remember doing the squats and stuff, you know, they had the buckets and if you asked it and touch that bucket, you have to start again. And sometimes you, they wouldn't start you all over again from one to a hundred. It was a mental thing. And once it had your mental, once you're mentally broken down, you're broken down. So, you know, a lot of these guys, I saw them, you know, literally squat and then just shit their pants. Literally, you can't control your bowel movements and stuff. And then they had to wipe it off. And then they oh would God. go on their back and Sarge would say, tell me that I am a dying cockroach, sir. And then say it. And then the whole room would just die, go off like, oh, no, he didn't say that. And then it was kind of like the Bruce Banner walk of shame. They they walk back with their bag and they look back and walk and they will look back again and then they're, they're out. That was, that was their. Oh dear. How tragic. Uh, <laughs> but the story is always the same in the power plant, but this is what made a lot of the guys, especially uh, around the time that you were there, 
who they were and why when they finally came onto TV, they were they were ready and, you know, they they fit the part, as I suppose you could say. Uh, it, it, it molded us. It molded us. I think it molded me into, into who I am now with, with all the with the discipline and, and the toughness and everything that, you know, you, you do something like, I can't do it. You know, you keep going because you can do it. You know, now I, I'm a business owner and once I, I got out of wrestling, uh, I had to look for, you know, look for something to do. And I uh, found somebody and uh, this guy brought me into the pest control business. And then after that, I've just, you know, pretty much taken it and, and run off with it. And I use all my, my wrestling and fuse it, fuse it again, wrestling with, 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 uh, with pest control now. I'm a fusion of that. There's no movie for pest control yet. Maybe they'll make <laughs> I find somebody that wants to write a story about me. <laughs> so now this is my WCW belt, but I got a, I got a commando uh, pest control championship wrestling uh, belt. So I worked the gimmick. Excellent, bro. Excellent. Um, one thing I thought was really interesting, because I've seen every episode of Saturday Night during this period of time, um, a bunch of you guys are brought up to TV onto Saturday night at the same time. A whole heap of you guys. It's around September 1999. Your debut, debut match is against Alan Funk uh, at the Leon County Civic Center in Tallahassee, Florida. Uh, and then you wrestle again the next day in Albany, Georgia. Um, please tell me about the first match that you had, your memories of finally, you know, getting out there and performing on WCW Saturday night. I don't know. If you watch my first match, I came out with uh, most of the guys were pretty generic coming out your first match. They have no no clue who who they want who they want to be, who what were they gonna their gimmick, pretty much or anything. I came out as Kid Romeo. I came out with glow sticks. I bought my own jacket because for that they still haven't made like your complete outfits. I had somebody make my tights, everything. So I came out dancing, glowing sick, doing doing my, doing my thing. And walked out to the ring, and Alan walked out angry, yelling at everybody. <laughs> so he's been pretty much angry, Alan. That was that was him. So he's been a character always like that. But um, yeah, that was that was my first experience, and it, it was it was good. It was really really good. And uh, I remember the I won the, I believe I won the first match, and then in the same taping we went again, and then they gave him the second one. And on the second one, I remember going out, and when I'm going, I see myself coming, and then when I going up to the ring. Somebody put a piece of tape on my back, white tape on my black jacket, <laughs> like this long, and, puts it on. and they let me go out like that. I was like, "What?" And that's when you start becoming to learn how to how people rib you and stuff like that. That's excellent. Um, this cast of guys that came up on Saturday night at this time, I just want to list off some of these guys. Rick Cornell, Alan Funk, Chuck Palumbo, Jamie Noble, Mark Jindrak, Mike Sanders, Johnny Stamboli, Elix Skipper, Jimmy Yang. There's probably some that I've missed there, but this is a heap of guys all at one time proving themselves on Saturday night. And I guess it's kind of like Jimmy Hart's show. And, uh, you know, for a period of months there, this show is about all of these younger guys, you know, getting their feet wet in the business. Um, I just thought it was interesting to, to point that out, everyone coming up at the same time. Um, I guess there would have been a bit of camaraderie amongst all of you guys. Would, I, would that be right? Yeah, there, there really was stuff. And uh, Jimmy, Jimmy Hart was the one that, that um, I guess, discovered me and, and pushed me. Um, I was the first one to be, I guess, uh, discovered in there and, and pushed. Uh, 
simply we went to one of the one of the things that we're filming something and we were helping out you know help just helping out doing whatever and jimmy hart was there and he just looked at me he's like hey kid what's your name come here and i started talking to him i told him what my name was what i used to do this and that he's like oh i, I like that i like that and then, you know his voice and stuff and next thing you know you know um i i got pulled in and stuff and then it was just uh it was it was it was it was downhill from there or uphill sorry <laughs> yes no there was something that i did notice it was, it was good it was good after that and everything he really uh took care of me he really protected me he definitely he definitely protected me and stuff like that and i was kind of like protected in wcw a little bit by right by, uh, Arn Anderson, Jimmy Hart, and there was other ones and stuff that, um, you know, that was protected. I was taken care of. Yeah, that was something that I'd noticed uh, through this portion of time. You and Chuck Palumbo seemed to get a lot more wins on Saturday night than a lot of the uh, other guys who would, they'd win oh, one, then they'd lose one, and you know what I mean? I'm glad you noticed, I'm glad you noticed that, because I, I guess at, at that point, not taking anything away from anybody, making myself anything, is they got to pick somebody, got to start everything, and it was just, I was for the cruiserweights and then Chuck was for the for the bigger guys. And God, we had guys with bodies be, behind me and, and him that were very good looking with bodies, everything. Just me and Chuck were like the first ones they picked to start start going like that. So just just blessed for that for that reason. But that also gets you heat and it gets you a little bit of animosity from the other peers. No names mentioned, but you do get it. Because they're like, oh, look at this guy. Yeah, he's he was a stripper. And then, uh, uh, uh. But you know that's how it is. You know when you when you're on top, everybody wants to knock you down. Of course, of course. Yeah, no, I did notice that you two specifically seem to be getting those wins. Uh, your worldwide debut on the 20th of September in Rome, Georgia, uh, you beat Mike Sanders. Then there's several wins on Saturday night over Jamie Noble, Rick Cornell, Elix Skipper to end 1999. But one match I, I wanted to ask you about. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, go ahead. Uh, one match I wanted to ask you about, January 5th, 2000, Ch Chavo Guerrero Jr., uh, he defeats you in this matchup. It's on Worldwide in Rock Hill, South Carolina. But uh, that that must have been your first real big test there. You, you're working mostly with you guys from the power plant, but now you're working with Chavo. Uh, how was that for you? Where, where was the match with Chavo? It wasn't, it wasn't, in, uh, it wasn't in Colorado? My information said Rock Hill, South Carolina, but the internet can be wrong sometimes. So <laughs> right, sometimes I I'm, I was thinking that it was in 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 in, um, in Colorado because I remember the that there were they had air tanks at the thing when you finished the match, everybody was dying and stuff like that. So I'm not sure if it was. I think it was Colorado or anything, but it was it was really a good match. It was very very competitive and everything and. Uh, it was a very good match. I was able to do, see the thing I was able to do there, I was able to be myself in WCW. Everything I did, they, they would tell me do more and more and more and more and more, which was great. And then, you know, when we closed out and went to WWE, it just went, <laughs> don't, don't do that. Don't do that. No, you can't do that. I basically wasn't allowed to do anything that I did as a character over that, that, you know, got response from the people. People liked it. It doesn't matter to them. Yeah, I understand, bro. Um, and you know, you continue to my, my, my WWE match. I had one, and that was on 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 Heat against Ese Rios. 
Uh, I was going to ask about that. Yeah, I was going to ask about that. And that match, now think about it. Everything on that match, I put it together and put it right, put it together, uh, right to his finish. And it was a very good match. I think yeah. I did too much in it because they walked me out to the ring. They, I got no intro music. I was like, <laughs> what? I felt like so, so like, I don't even know what I felt like. I feel like, man, I, I, no respect whatsoever, I guess. You know, <laughs> you know and then uh, no music. I just waited for him to come down. And then I performed. I did my little dance. I did my little six shooter and stuff but like this little crowd, the whole thing. And, and I thought it would look good. You know, if anything, I might outperform him. And he had a big angle going with Kurt Angle. <laughs> right. And yeah. I don't know. Take a look at that match and you tell me how, what's, what's what, what, what happened with me is, you know, it's politics. Nothing, you can't control that politics. <laughs> Absolutely, bro. I understand. I've, I've had a lot of guys on the show um, that have been in that situation, especially when they came over from WCW. Um, you so, don't know that. You don't know that. You just, you just don't be yourself. If you knew that now, if I go back, I would probably maybe uh, to elongate my my career, I would probably change some things that I did behavior-wise, doing everything, not that I was hurting anything or really doing anything that would reflect on my wrestling or anything, but it's a game. Yeah. Uh, the people, the people and everything you gotta you you i would change some stuff but i understand um so uh as we enter 2000 you make your nitro debut against the wall uh on january 24th but then uh and that was at the stable center in los angeles california I was, um i was supposed to go against kurt henning it was right it's kurt henning and i was supposed to go over on Kurt Henning, and I uh, guess maybe he didn't want to. I'm not sure what happened, but it, that didn't thing. Then they put me against the wall and, and just gave me a loss. <laughs> that's a. That's, it, was, that's, it was a pretty. It was a pretty good match against the wall. I mean, for, for what it was. <laughs> <laughs> it was quite quite the change in scenario there. You're about to beat Mr. Perfect, yeah, and I was then yeah. So when I arrived there, and then they came and changed it all around, and I was okay. <laughs> uh, a day later on Thunder, uh, you get to be in the Cruiserweight title tournament against Prince Ikea uh, at the MGM Grand Garden Arena in uh, Las Vegas, Nevada. Um, so you got to start to get onto television there from February to April. You work mostly on Saturday night and you win all your matches over Noble, Skipper, Lopez, Allen, uh, before you're again defeated by Chavo on Worldwide on April 11th. So um, the, the, all of this is happening in those months there. It's a bit of a weird time in WCW with uh, the changing of the book and everything. But one thing that I found interesting was through after all this process here, all of a sudden you go to New Japan Pro Wrestling. Um, what was that all about? Did you leave WCW or was this like a deal between New Japan and WCW? What was that about? No, that that was with that was with WCW over there. They came down. They came down to the power plant and they uh, and they picked and choose uh, the cruiserweights. And uh, I was, I think Alan said that they asked him and something happened, but I don't know. From what I heard and stuff like that, that I was just the one that they picked and stuff like that, and then that was it. They, they didn't pick anybody else, so I won that point over there, and that was really right. that was a good experience. It's a it's a uh, an uh, awakening 
to the to the strong style. When you go out your first match and you're like, poop, oh shit, what? <laughs> okay, all right, let's go. <laughs> and then and you start stiffing right back. I, I I walked out with Japanese guys bleeding and stuff, their nose and everything, because I laid my shit in. I was like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be nobody's punching bag. <laughs> if you don't fight back, if you don't fight back, they will eat you up. Absolutely, absolutely, nice and nice as hell in the outside of the ring and everything, but in the ring they will fuck, they they will eat you up and spit you back out. Yeah, uh, the the debut there was uh, uh, May nineteenth, two thousand. You, I'm going to try and get these names correct. Koji Kanemoto, Minoru Tanaka, and Shinjiro Otani defeated Dr. Wagner Jr., El Samurai, Kendo Kashin, and Minoru Fujita. Uh, in the Korokan Hall in Tokyo, Japan. You work 40 matches for the promotion, seven are singles matches. How did you find the multi-man matches? Uh, which, which matches? All those multi-man matches. It's usually like a six-man tag or an eight-man tag. Uh, I, I like that, man. You don't take a lot of punch, man. You're in and out, get your shit in and <laughs> tag out. <laughs> <laughs> that, was what, that was one of my things, I guess, call it getting your shit in. I heard some some podcasts that, that I guess I didn't know that that was a, a word circulating me that I always wanted to get my shit in. And I was like, I just want to uh, put on a good show. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Of course. Why wouldn't you? This is this is your job. <laughs> yeah, I guess I was always accused of always wanting to get my shit in. Right. Right. Well, um, I wanted to ask you, what do you feel like you learned most through your experience wrestling there in Japan? What honor is and respect is something that it's, it's over there a little bit more than over here. I think it maybe as a society itself and definitely in the wrestling business, it's a little bit more respect and you know, I mean, who are you gonna find here uh, shower washing somebody's back mm. and stuff like that? You know, no, you go over there. The guys from the first match, they're there to the end, and when you see them, the guys sitting there like this, the champ raised with his hands up like this, and the guys washing the guy, washing him. Yeah, so yeah, that, that's respect. That's putting in your dues and everything. You don't, you don't, you won't find that here. Hell no, like I ain't no fag. I'm not doing that. <laughs> yeah, they, they do what they're told. Yeah, it like, certainly is different that, over there. That I like. I like, you know, your word really means something. Honor means something. Respect. United States, you know. Hmm. Yeah, I get you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so eventually you do finally get brought back to WCW um, although unfortunately it's like it's 2001 at this point I know I, you I missed the gap I, I missed the gap and the, the reason for that gap was um, I got suspended for about six months which were very crucial and in my in my career um, because I went out with a girl <laughs> that was just trying out and uh, Terry Taylor had the hots for her. Um, Out of this shit, I got suspended. And uh, Jimmy Hart, I talked to Jimmy Hart uh, for the, all that time. Every couple months, just hang in there, kid. Hang out, hang out, hang out. And then he finally brought me back. 
and then they brought me back for into the tournament. And on that time off, I just hit the weights and I was just turned into a monster, not not the regular Saturday night Romeo. I right. turned into like a badass Romeo. And um and then that's when they brought they brought me back. They brought me back for that. But it was it was very crucial that time. That timing, that's when they had brought everybody in. They were more on the part of the regular show. So mm-hmm. if I if I didn't get screwed that way there, um, who knows where I'd be. I understand. Yeah, that I had no idea about that. Uh, those guys were able to go go up there because they had that stent. Um, I I was missing that stent. But you know. Yeah, that's a, it is a crucial time because you know you got guys like a, a Gingerack and O'Hare, a, a Palumbo that get to be a part of the invasion angle, whereas some of the guys like uh, Lash Larue, etc., didn't quite get to be uh, part of that. And uh, but we'll get to that when we get to it. Uh, uh, the the cruiserweight tag team titles, obviously, you know, this is a pretty big part of your career. Um, uh, the the tournament itself. That's that's uh, that was my WrestleMania moment. That's how I describe it to everybody. That was my WrestleMania moment. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Um, the, the 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 tag tournament goes over several weeks, uh, heading into uh, the final WCW pay per view greed, uh, where yourself and Elix defeat of all tag teams Billy Kibben and Rey Mysterio Jr. Uh, in uh, Jacksonville, Florida, at the Coliseum. There, please tell me a little bit about this. Uh, and you know, this is as you said, your WrestleMania for you. Tell me about the match and how just the the feeling after all that time um, to to have this. Um, well, it felt great, and I was surprised when they told me what the plans were and everything. Um, knowing that that wasn't supposed to be the outcome, they were supposed to win the belts. But when I came back, um, when they saw me, they changed. They changed minds. That's what happened. They they they, they saw me. What how I changed the whole thing and everything, and uh, they basically then we're gonna put it on them. So. Um, so that was very, uh, um, I was surprised and I was honored and happy and stuff and nervous because I've been um, laid off for a while. I used to go to a turnbuckle um, at Dusty School up there and, and train and train up there for a while. That was doing my suspension and stuff like that. And uh, to try to stay in shape, but it's not the same if you go every single day. And um, my cardio was a little bit off. So going through that match was a little bit tough. If you see me there after I get the pin, I'm like this, and I just high roll off. I was that's for real. I wasn't that wasn't even a sell, but it was a good, <laughs> good sell because it was a sell. It was a real true sell. And Absolutely. So I, was, I was very very exhausted in the match. I was not used to uh, going that 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 length of time. So right. Yeah, so that I was, was uh, it. Was an incredible match, uh, and uh, you know. Um, that was the best. That was the best match of the last pay per view in WCW history. Yeah, it doesn't matter who else or bigger names, everything as far as the match. That was the best match. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and it's this is kind of a really weird time because you, you got to become cruiserweight tag team champion. They just brought these belts in, uh, and then only a few weeks later. Uh, it's the 26th of March and it's the final Nitro. I've asked a lot of guys how they found out that this was the end. Was it the same for you when you arrived to the building and you saw WWF 
Well, we didn't know until we knew what once we were there for a while. They told us that what had happened. Everybody's like, oh man, what? And uh, they went to go ahead and then the, we were supposed to retain the belts. And uh, and then they changed it and WWE changed the, the outcome of the match. That's not what it was supposed to happen. It was them. So they got they got the win over us then. And then that's when Shane came in the room with I forgot who else he came in the room, came in the room and he went around the room shaking hands and uh, kind of picking choosing people. When he got to Elix and I, we got like a head nod. Hey guys, how you doing? Up to the next one, next one. Booker T. Hey Booker, what's up? And everything. I was kind of one of those. Right there, I looked at Skipper and we said, we're fucked. Kid you not, you can ask him that. We just looked at it and said, that's not good. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, I completely understand. Because uh, when I interviewed Alan, I spoke about um, the, the fact that he was at this point of his career where he was, now he was on pay-per-view. He was on that great pay-per-view wrestling, Jason Jett. Uh, you know, he was finally getting to that spot. You're in the same position. You're getting that spot now. You're on pay-per-view. You win a championship. Okay, now things are starting to work out. And then the next thing you find out, your contract's being picked up like a bunch of these other guys and you go into Heartland wrestling and you're back in developmental. Uh, well, I guess that's what they called it then. Uh, we, we felt, I'll tell you, I'll tell you right there. We all felt like we we're going backwards. We didn't, we felt like we didn't um, deserve that. It could have been a little bit more start working on us and stuff because we have done all that already, but you know how it is. They want to make you, I don't know. Pay dues again with, with their with you know it's it's their game it's a different game now, the game has changed literally at that point that's what we were saying so yeah absolutely yeah. Alan told me uh, I was stuck it was worse it was depressing yeah he, he Alan told me that he felt like that you guys were all brought there to make the guys that were under developmental contracts already uh, get better and then once they got better. He told me about the moment where uh, the they were just letting all the WCW guys go one after another. Elix had tears in his eyes, and you know a whole bunch of guys after that ended up kind of leaving the business, like uh, like a Rick Cornell. How, how did that How did that feel for you? You know, what was that conversation like when they told you that you know they were going to let you go? I didn't know what to do. I was like, what? You know, because you get into this and once you're you're in that thing, you don't even think you're ever gonna get released. It doesn't it really doesn't go through your mind? It doesn't go through your mind, especially I thought I was I've I've had made it and stuff like that. But I knew when I went up there, they were putting me in shitty matches, they weren't getting me things, so I don't know things weren't going like they were going in WCW. So I knew there was something, something that definitely had changed and stuff. So yeah. um but you know, it's 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 nothing you can do about it, man. You know, you just gotta roll with the punches and continue your life and stuff. I, you know, I, and then I went to Puerto Rico, wrestling Puerto Rico and stuff like that. But it's not the same. Once you're at the big game and stuff like that, and and to me, you know, a lot of these guys keep on wrestling in independence, break their body down, this and that. At the end of the day, some got brought back, and we see all these people that. Go if that wasn't me and I already had all this politics in the beginning I knew that I needed to start finding something so that's why I went into the pest control business and uh, 
now have a successful pest control company and stuff. We're the undisputed champions of pest control. <laughs> well, that's excellent to hear, bro. Um, <laughs> um, uh, I, I wanted to, before we uh, start winding up, uh, down on the interview here, I, I wanted to ask you about uh, uh, NWA TNA and being a part of the, the, the company for a short period of time there in 2002. Um, I know you worked uh, a uh, six-man elimination match with Loki, Christopher Daniels, Skipper, Jerry Lynn, uh, and Tony Marmaluke. It was a really good match. Absolutely. That was a good match. And, uh, you know, if you watch some of those matches, man, we used to sell. They don't sell anymore. They kind of just register and they're up and running. And then everybody, get, everybody gets kicked out of like 50 awesome moves. And then you pin them with your finisher. That's a lame ass finisher. I'm like, come on, my dog can kick out of that. <laughs> so things have changed somewhat like that you know it's you know when you get like sell they, they're just not selling i don't know you know they just do a lot of tricks i agree 100 percent because they're i have these they're arguments they're enough characters everything everybody's more thing although now they're trying to i think change a little bit with the nxc2 now that i think vince woke up and like hey man we can have everybody a whole federate i mean for prime time a whole federation of little guys and not yeah. even little guys. There's a lot of guys who look like um, what well, AEW's got quite a few. It's good to have one, two for that, you know, that spice and changes up. But when you have a whole bunch, it's, it's not believable. It's like, shit, why is that guy? I can beat him up. I can do that. <laughs> you know, the audience thinking like that, I don't think it's so good. I agree. Uh, and I talk to people about this all the time because I get angry at the way some of the high flyers wrestle today. And I say, you have to understand, if you didn't see it, you have to understand when the WCW Cruiserweights had their matches, it, it you never you never felt like you, you're going to get taken out of the match. It didn't feel fraudulent at all. It didn't feel that way because even if there was a dive to the outside, it came across like... There was ha it was happenstance. The guy happened to turn around, and as he sees the guy coming at him, he takes the bump. Nowadays, they just stand there waiting for them. Just wait there for me. Just sit there. Doesn't matter how, what I do. I'll do 10, 10 runs around ring, this and that, and you see me and everything, and then act surprised when I come through the ropes and stuff. It's not believable. Yeah. And it's all about timing, man. You should be hearing that guy running in the ring. You know when he's about half ring, so you turn around. Half the time they're like this, going like this. Really, bro? <laughs> they go stand like that, like a bobbling dog, and then they miss him and everything, man. You gotta sell like this, you know, down on knee, looking, peeking, then then get up and and receive it, not just sit there like this. Especially if he's delayed for whatever reason on on his on his coming out, you look like yeah. fucking, you're just standing there waiting for him. And we all know it's a work, but you you know you you want to make your work look legit. That's why my shit was stiff. I was stiff. Ask Alan Funk. He's got, <laughs> he's got stitches, right? He's got six stitches thanks to Kid Romeo. <laughs> how, they, how we used to say, I like to lay my shit in because I, I like to look things to look snug and, and, and good and stuff. Now they throw these pansy punches and, and even oh. people that you got the cameras, they always go to another angle, another angle. I'm like, dude, throw a big form one, but pop it or do something like that, you know? A hundred punches, really? Rapid it's little, ridiculous. little things like that, and then the guy gets out. He has don't have he doesn't have a mark on his face. Come on. <laughs> but, 
we're just being uh, picking and nipping at about the business now. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, look, it, it, this is just the way I am now. I can't help it. I just get sick and tired of seeing people get kicked full force in the face forty times in a match, and they still don't go down. It drives me. It drives me crazy. So and I just want to on the next one, yeah, because the, the, that's how they're like, kind of like training the, the the fans, and when the fans are kind of like dictating, they want to see that. No, you dictate the fucking pace. You slow it down, and you cause a reaction with your character. You get them to boo without even doing anything. <laughs> That's it, I, was good at that. I can always get a re I can always get a reaction. Yeah. I agree, bro. I thought that I just I thought it was important to bring up that the WCW cruiserweights, the way that they did their thing, it still was believable no matter what. Everyone was believable. I don't care if it was a luchador, some a Puerto Rican guy, an American guy, maybe some of the English guys, anyone around that period of time, it always came across as realistic as possible. Whereas today it's just not the same. I just wanted to say that. That's <laughs> just not the same, bro. It is not no. the same. It's a shame. I mean, AEW, AEW is doing uh, a little better now. I think they're they're good for wrestling fans. They're not trying to just do PG and say, oh, don't do this or don't do that. Everything that's all part of wrestling. So it's good that they're 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 doing that and and diversity that they got over there. So that's it. Kind of it's kind of WCWWE. You have an alternative now. Yeah, that is a good thing. Um, I wanted to kind of before we get to the final bit of the interview, just ask you about. Okay, your time in the wrestling business, what was, aside from winning the Cruiserweight Tag Team Championships, do you have another positive memory, maybe a story about someone else that you worked with in the business that really means a lot to you when you look back on your time? Um, well, you know, the besides uh, winning the belts, I've just um, making it through the power plant. That's no joke. It's so famous. Everybody knows about the power plant and how brutal it was. And and just that I was able to to go through that and everything, it speaks highly about myself, I think, and everything that it, I I know that I, I I had heart. I have heart. I've always had heart. So I got out of business that I had heart. Um, I was able to to beat a legend that that I, I always saw on TV and stuff. And next thing you know, within a year, I'm I'm wrestling him. We're hanging out. We're friends and all that stuff. So those are all memories that I'll never, never forget that nobody could take from me. Because everybody everybody said before I was trained for this, oh, including my parents, God bless their souls. Um, You're not going to do that. that yeah, it, I did. So, you know, sometimes you have to just go for yours. And make and make it, you know. So I'm, I was, I'm very proud that I was able to make it through the power plant, and that I was to the very end, and and beat a legend, a friend, and a coworker up here. Absolutely, bro. That's awesome to hear. Thank you for sharing that with me. Um, uh, I guess the other question I wanted to ask uh, was, okay. WCW went away. Uh, you went to WWE Developmental. They screwed that whole thing. They screwed the invasion up, let's be honest. That angle could have gone on for two, three years. Uh, you work with TNA a little bit. Uh, I know you do some other independent things. You kind of talked about it earlier about um, getting out of the business and 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 starting a, a a business of your own and being a part of uh, what you're doing now. What was there a point where you're like, you know what? 
uh, I, I need to stop this wrestling thing. I'm going to retire from this thing because, um, you know, you're at a, you're at a crossroads in your life. Maybe is that the reason why you decided to retire? Yeah, because I mean, once WCW closed and then WWE let you go, I really didn't know what to, what to expect or what to do. I know TNA was around. So my thing was, I was with TNA. And then when I got somehow bamboozled into the, into the politics again, um, uh, and the phone stopped ringing for the things. I'm like, all right, it, what's left? Mm. I didn't know if I wanted to go to Japan and stuff like that, and and do all that and live like the, that way. Long story short, I met a girl, fell in love with her, and everything. Met a guy at the gym. He offered me this. I took it and ran with it. That's fantastic, Gary. Hey. There was no other place and stuff like that. I mean, this is like you couldn't make a joke or do anything like that. With with TNA, WCW was a girl, and then uh, I got accused of, of dealing drugs in, in for TNA in Nashville. That I was selling <laughs> cocaine. Okay, I'm getting in a plane and I'm flying to Nashville with drugs to sell coke to the boys. <laughs> Tell me that's not a ridiculous one. That's that sounds ridiculous. I forgot who it was. There was a broker called me like, yeah, there was where I'm like, and I'm like, dude, use your common sense. Think about it. You think I'm really going to risk everything like that to go sell a couple of uh, uh, dime bags and nickel bags? How much you think I'm going to take? Like a quarter kilo? That's worth my while? <laughs> exactly. You got to watch what you say. You got to watch what you say. Anything that's joking, anything will take on the thing like that. And look, boom, it came like that. And ever since then, it's when I started going like this in TNA. Because I was really I was really good. Jeff Jarrett liked me and everything. And then some people, and that was it. I understand, bro. Um and they were using, they were just pretty much honestly jobbing me out, man. I, I was like, man, I was like, are you kidding me? But you know, it, it is what it is. So yeah, I understand, bro. Um, at least I was able to take uh, you know, part of that. I was like, I was part of TNA, I was part of WCW, I was part of WWE for a while. Um, New Japan, so I mean, I covered, you know, for those. So that's that's good for me. I accomplished I accomplished something in the in the in the wrestling business. Um, I guess I'm in the in the in the history books. You are, and you're speaking to somebody from Australia right now. Yeah, from... that's something. I'm in the history books that nobody <laughs> can take that away from me. That's it, bro. It's 2021 and your story is still so important because you accomplished all of this all those years ago, like 20 years ago, WCW went out of business and it's still uh, a story that people want to hear. It's better now. It's like wine. We're vintage now. <laughs> yeah. People want to know how it was back then, what we did and everything compared now to, to what it is now and stuff like that. So it's almost like everything that goes out comes back in. It's our time to <laughs> It's our time. We're back and stuff. So, you know, and I use my I use my character to its fullest extent with with mixed with my uh, pest control. So, excellent. I'm, right. I'm still working the gimmick to this day. I will die working the gimmick. <laughs> awesome, mate. Uh, well, is there anything no, that you I would like to? I think uh, Sergeant Buddy Lee Park in in, in uh, Pistol Pass and the in uh, and the Assassins, Jody. Yeah, uh, yep. those were my trainers and stuff. So, you know, thank you to all you guys and Jody, rest here, rest in peace. Um, just wanted to thank those because those were the ones that that made us. 
Excellent, Braille. Thanks for sharing that. Um, we we have one final segment when we uh, end the uh, interview, bro. And uh, this segment is called Five Second Frenzy. It's quick fire questions for quick fire answers. It's just to get to know your favorite this, your favorite that, different things in your life. So it's not just about wrestling, um, but there are a few about wrestling. The first question here, Kid Romeo, is who is your favorite wrestler of all time? Me. <laughs> Excellent choice. <laughs> uh, Eddie Guerrero. Excellent. Uh, do you have a favorite opponent? Um, Rey Mysterio. Excellent. And the third one and, and final and, one about... And, and, and Alan Funk. Alan Funk. <laughs> don't get uh, Alan angry. Uh, yeah, no, 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 I get him angry. He put me over enough times. Thank you, Alan. <laughs> uh, would your favorite match be that match where you won the Cruiserweight Tag Team Championships? Uh, I would have to uh, say uh, yes. Excellent. Uh, getting, <laughs> getting away from wrestling now, bro. Do you have a favorite book? The Bible. Excellent. We've had that a few times on the show. Yep. Uh, do you have a favorite TV show? Chicago PD. Nice. Uh, favorite film? Favorite. <laughs> um, the Wrestler was one of my favorite films. Excellent choice. Um, favorite musical artist? I have a whole bunch. I don't even have a favorite. I don't even know if I have a favorite one really. I like That's a little okay. bit of right now. I listen to a lot of jazz. I guess I'm getting older. I'm more relaxed and everything. But then I put my pitbull mix in the in the in the XM and I'm going all off. But you know, you know when you're getting older, when you're hearing the music and you just go like that, but you don't know who the fuck's talking, who's singing yeah. <laughs> on the radio. So I try to stay relevant, you know. So you know, because you gotta stay current with stuff, or else then you really get old. <laughs> that's it bro uh getting away from the arts now do you have a favorite food do i have favorite food oh my goodness i like acapurias i love oh, acapurias. very nice fried, fried bananas mashed with uh beef in the middle of it and then they roll it up freeze it and then they unfreeze it and they deep fry it that shit is good oh man that sounds fantastic <laughs> Uh, do you have a favorite place to eat on the road? Subway. Excellent. Uh, three to go here for this segment. Uh, I don't know if, you, if you're a drinker. If you're not, what is your favorite alcoholic beverage or just your favorite beverage in general? Shot of Jack. <laughs> Very nice. Uh, second last one. <laughs> uh, second last one of five second frenzy is the naughtiest one your favorite female body part if you check out a good looking lady what will the eyes of kid romeo be drawn to first a nice big ass with boobs big boobs this close behind <laughs> I, like everything, I like everything exaggerated <laughs> <laughs> excellent bro uh and the last one on five second frenzy favorite curse word fuck 
Yeah. Fuck, fuck, fuck. <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah. This was fam. Yeah, this were family feud, fuck would be the number one answer for that question. But uh kid Romeo, I just want to thank you so much for your time on the show here. Uh and I I always like to say this because it's important that I say it. It's 2021. Uh, WCW was, you know, you, you were flying high with them over 20 years ago. And I live in the most isolated city in the world, Perth, Western Australia. And I remember you from back then and thinking, wow, this guy is a talented guy. So for all the way over there to all the way over here to the most isolated city in the world, you had fans over here that appreciated everything that you put into the wrestling business. And I'm so happy for you with what you've accomplished and what you're still accomplishing today with your pest control business and you still you still work in the gimmick i love it i just want to let you know how much i appreciate you as a fan well thank you man i appreciate that you know that's one of the good things about this business that you probably have fans and people that remember you that you don't even know and 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 in the most farthest of furthest places that will still remember you if you were there and they went through man you were part i guess part of the their childhood or something like that so it's 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 uh it's it's uh got a little bit of goosebumps that makes you it, it kind of still makes you feel good. I mean I still get contact and send letters here and there. Um, I just had somebody from Australia that wrote to me on me a messenger, and uh, hey, can you wish my uh, uh, kids a happy birthday because uh, I was a big fan. I always told him and he showed him matches and everything. I was like wow, after all this time he's showing his kids matches of his favorite wrestler. So I actually did a video against Amira with the belt and everything. And I wished him a happy birthday and stuff. So that was pretty cool. And he sent he sent something back. Wow, kid, Romeo, both of them. Thank you. So that was kind of cool. Oh, that's awesome to hear, yeah, bro. From Australia. From Australia. Oh, that's great. Yeah, there's a few of us over here that are big fans of Kid Romeo. <laughs> awesome. uh, well, um, bro, I just want to thank you again for your time for being on the show today. It really meant a lot to me. Uh, well, I want to thank you for having me on and uh, apologize. I know that that uh, um, stood you up a couple times and everything, man. But I'm a one man. I'm a one man show here, man. I do my commercials. <laughs> I do the work. I do the paperwork. My assistant obviously does all the technical stuff. So I'm not Kid Romeo is not the most technical man in the world. But I work the gimmick, so <laughs> it's gonna be all right. So and uh, thanks to all my coaches and thanks to all my uh, that if you're listening. If you're listening Everybody I wrestled, everywhere I was involved, thank you for, for being part of my life and an experience. So, Excellent, bro. Thank you, bro. And uh, uh, thank you to Kid Romeo for being on the show here. And thank you to everyone out there for watching the Insider's Edge podcast here on the WCWA Network. I'm Californian Fury, alongside my new friend here, Kid Romeo. And we will Kid see Romeo, you next baby. time. And we will see you next time. Thank you. <laughs>